Father, thank you for your grace to us. You are not hiding, you are not silent, but you are the God who has spoken clearly. And Lord, we want to thank you for the kind of God you are. Generous, kind. You're not a slave driver. You give us this gift of cultivating work. You also give us the gift of rest. You do not expect us to drive ourselves into the ground. Um, but you have been, you've provided for us through rest. And I pray that you'd help us to grapple with that tonight, to learn what it means to rest to the glory of God, that we would work well and we would rest well. Um, as Christians, as those who rest in Jesus. So please teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, cultivate. <coughs> Created to cultivate, big vision. Cursed to frustrate, all went wrong, work is a curse. No, work is not cursed. No, work is cursed, but it's not a curse. <laughs> it's memorable, isn't it? <laughs> Redeemed to orientate, no longer working for ourselves, but working for God and for his glory. Skill to love, that was the kind of the big question we ask of what we do is how can we maximise loving others? Ephesians 5, 2, we are called to live a life of love just as, as Christ has loved us by laying down his life as a sacrifice. So we don't get so hung up on exactly which jobs are kind of Christian jobs. No, everything we can do in a way that loves others. And that's a big question to ask of us. Given who we are, our opportunities, our resources, how can we love the most with, with our time? Last time we thought about exile for the common good, that um, it's difficult working uh, with people who aren't Christians, who may be working for a different agenda to us, um, but we are called, like the exiles in the Old Testament in Jeremiah, to seek the good of the city, to seek the good of those around us, um, to work for the common good, but don't get too cosy, because the new creation is where it's at, the new creation is where all the blessing will really come. So we seek good now, we work well with those around us, but we, we don't settle down too much. One day we're going to be home. That's what will happen tonight. Sleepy time. Rested to enjoy. We're thinking about rest. Rested to enjoy. Okay. Now, they say, they say in music that it's not just about what notes you play. It's also about what you don't play that makes music good. And most young, immature musicians, say in an improv- improvisation group... Um, tend to overplay. So it's like, okay, it's solo time, go kid. And it's like, okay, I've got my solo time, I'm going to fill it with as many notes as I can possibly manage right now. This is speaking from some experience as <coughs> a spotty 13-year-old learning to play guitar. It's like, let me play as much as I possibly can, as loud as I possibly can. What, what you don't do well as a young musician, but you need to learn to do, is to rest. This is a rest. This is a crutch of rest. To have a big rest, to have silence. Music isn't just what you do, it's also what you don't do. In, in the same way, life and work isn't just about what you do, it's about what you don't do as well. We can be, I think, like young musicians who think it's best to play full power all the time. We think what God wants and what's best work is busy work, always busy, full, all the time, with activity. But actually, mature Christians and mature workers know the goodness and the beauty of rest, of silence, of stopping. Now you think rest would be a very easy thing for us to do, it's not working. But actually rest is really hard. It's really hard to do well. Some of us struggle to stop working, like the young musician, we just fill our time with busyness, we think that's what's important. 
Some of us struggle with, in a sense, resting too much, perhaps even lean to a kind of laziness. We have such a low view of work um, that we kind of just do the absolute minimum. But I, actually, those aren't the only two struggles, overwork and underwork. I think many of us struggle to use our rest well, just to do rest well. We don't really know why we rest or what to do with our time that will honour God. We can easily just kind of fitter away our time and not use it constructively for others. Good music is about what you play and what you don't play. Well, good biblical cultivation work is about what you do and what you don't do. It's about your rest as well. I think it's worth saying, though, as we think about work and rest, that some of us have struggles, maybe even illnesses, that means that we can't work so much. Um, Things like depression can make it very hard to be motivated to work. And if that's your situation, I don't want talking about rest and things to become a kind of guilt trip, a burdensome thing, feeling bad about struggles to to work and get to work and that kind of thing. What we're going to see later is the good news that all of us can rest in our acceptance in Jesus, no matter what's going on, no matter whether we can work a lot or a little. So I I think that's helpful to say early on. Now, as we think about biblical work, there are three dimensions to the Bible's view of rest. First up, rest is for him. That's God. Rest is for God. It's for him. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5 on page 184. Deuteronomy 5, page 184. Rest is for God. It's for him. So this is the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments first come up in Exodus 20, as you know from doing Exodus last term. Um, and then everything gets reiterated by God, by Moses, in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. Here's the, the Sabbath law. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Okay, first up, before we kind of get into the meaning of it, I think it's helpful to say, Uh, What should we do as Christians with the Old Testament Sabbath? Let's just deal with that quickly before we get into the meaning. Uh, Should we keep it? It's Old Testament law. Can we learn from it? What do we do? For the Israelites, rest, as you can see, was prescribed in their law. It was actually their kind of covenant sign. It was the thing that made them distinctively the Israelites, God's people, that they had the Sabbath. But in the New Testament, in Colossians, Paul describes the Sabbath day as a shadow which has found its reality in Christ. That's what Paul says in Colossians 2. A shadow which has found its reality in Christ. He says, all Old Testament festivals, food laws, uh, the Sabbath included, were pointing forward to Christ. So the Sabbath as part of the Mosaic law, with all its kind of regulations, including death penalty if you didn't keep it, um, is not binding on us as New Testament Christians. It was a shadow which has found its reality in Christ. And later we'll think about how it finds its reality in Christ. In our second point. But, even if we don't follow the 
prescribed law of the Sabbath, because we're not Old Testament Israelites, we should follow the Sabbath as God's gift of weekly rest, because its roots are in creation. Think back to first week. What was God's working week like when he cultivated? He worked six days and he had a day off, which he then gave as a law uh, to the Israelites. So something that he had put into creation, he then prescribed in the law for the Old Testament, uh, Old Testament people. So God actually, in, in Exodus 20, when he first gives the Ten Commandments, he makes a point of this. He says, rest on the Sabbath day, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. So he says, here's your Sabbath, that's what I did. This was God's pattern, so now it's your pattern, God roots in creation. So there's a sense in which, no, we don't keep the Sabbath as an Old Testament law on us, but yes, we do keep it and learn from it because the Sabbath is God's gift to his creation, to those of us who work as cultivators. Put it this way, if one day of rest is good enough for God, it's good enough for us. He did it, we do it. Makes sense, it's a gift. Now, back to Deuteronomy 5 then. When God repeats the Ten Commandments here, you get a a slightly different detail in verse 14. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Okay, so this day of rest is not just focused on us, but rest is first focused on God. It's an act of worship. Rest is for him, it's to him. Verse 12 says, um, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does that mean? It means that it was a day that was dedicated to God in worship. That's what holy means. The other six days weren't unholy, they were common. They're just, literally, they were just every day. But this day was to be holy. Distinct from the other days by the fact that you rest on it and also because it's an act, a, day of, a day of worship, focusing on God. So rest in the Bible is an act of worship, devotion to him. Saying, I will take this time to stop working, focus my attention on you, resting in you, enjoying your provision, acknowledging you through a busy week. I think we can be quite selfish about rest. I've been working so hard. This is a day that's all about me and my needs. Yes, you do have needs and we're going to come on to that. But first, it's a day for God. You actually need him, most of all. So our Christian rest should actually look different to the rest that our colleagues have. Rest isn't just about your day off. We rest in all sorts of ways. But I do want to just for now focus on that that kind of day. Or most of us have a weekend. Your day off is for God. So I want you to think about how will you make that day distinctive to the other days in your week. Apart from not working. How will you capture that day and offer it in devotion to God. Well, for one thing, making Sunday your day off makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? What better way to devote your rest to God than have a day with the church, worshipping God? It just makes sense. To, it's an easy way to devote it to him. Be with your church family, worship. So I really want to strongly encourage you to make Sunday, if you can, a pure day of rest from your normal vocation, your everyday work. I want to encourage you to that. Make Sunday a pure, full 24 hours of rest. If you're a student, um, particularly you'll always have more work to do, right? Your course mates will probably go to the library on a Sunday, unless they're feeling particularly lazy. But 
you know, that, that's the thing. Think about how you can be distinctive in saying, my rest is for God, devoted to him. Which means God isn't to be squeezed around your deadlines. Your deadlines squeeze around him. And it, uh, not just students, but also for workers. You know, God's not to be fitted around that bit of work that the office needs on a Monday. We need to work hard at getting things done when we can. And I know that's easier said than done, but this is devotion to God we're talking about. Now, when I was a student, um, I, I tried to make it a thing that I didn't work on Sundays. And if I still had work to do, I'd stay up late on Saturday or get up early on Monday um, and wouldn't work on Sundays even when everyone else was in the library. And it was really worth it. It was really worth it. And for all of us, I think, th- this was my logic. You know, if, okay, I've got this work to do and the deadline is pressing. It's not going to go away. But if I, if I devote this day to God, he's going to honour me for that. He'll, he'll bless me. He's going to take care of my work. I can rest. He said I should rest. So I can trust God with that pressing <coughs> deadline, whether that's work or students. So I want to encourage you, give God the honour, the attention he deserves on your day off. Take Sunday if you can. Focus on him. Now, for some of us, um, we have to work on Sundays. Uh, we have just because of shifts and things like that, especially in medical profession and things like that. I work on a Sunday. Friday's my day off. Now, because the Sabbath law isn't law to us, we're free to do that, to take different days off because we're not under the old law. But we should live out God's gift of rest by taking one clear day, if it's not Sunday, as a day of rest, and use it in worship in some way. Um, I know for, for a lot of you, if you're in professions where you often might get roasted onto Sundays, you know, sometimes you can say things or do things that mean you're roasted on less. And I think that's really important to try and do that if you can. But um, this devotion to God isn't just about time at church, though that's a clear and obvious thing to do. Also, just, just think about how you relax with God. I don't know if you ever think about relaxing with God. So I try and do something different in my, my Bible time, my devotional time, um, on my day off, which, like I said, is a Friday. <coughs> you probably have more time available Saturday, Sunday morning, especially because we have afternoon church. What a luxury. Uh, why not set aside more time? Uh, do something different. Maybe if you're doing a kind of Bible reading plan, just take a day off. Do something different. Uh, enjoy some time with worship music and prayer. Go, go walk and pray. Read a psalm, whatever it is. Do something different that says... This is my day off. This is my Sabbath, as it were. Lord God, I, I want to enjoy you with my time. Give your rest time to resting with God. Give him time and focused worship. John T. told me a helpful story. Um, he said, imagine a couple in a long-distance relationship, and they get to see each other once a month. Now, if imagine when it came to that day, he said to her, actually, I can see you at, um, I can see you at 430 I've got some chores to do, so I'm going to get on with those, but, but I'll see you at 4.30. Like, no, this is your one day together. You find some other time to do the chores. Enjoy the time together. Enjoy your relationship. The rest of the week is busy enough. And don't we find that the rest of the week is busy enough to crown out God? We struggle to give him the thought that he deserves. Give him your rest. Give him that day. Let everything else fall when it needs to. Enjoy him. Rest is for him. First thing. Second, rest is for us. Turn to Matthew chapter 11.
Matthew 11, page 977. Matthew 11, verse 28. Page 977. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest is for us. Here's what I want to say. To be a Christian is to be someone who rests. It's the heart of what it means to be a Christian and to come to Jesus. We come to him from the tiring burden of of constantly working to prove ourselves and earn God's favour, Jesus says, come and rest from that work. Come and I will give you rest. And it's an inner rest. That struggle, that striving we have in our lives, he says, I will give you rest. Do you see it? For your souls. So Christians shouldn't work frantically because fundamentally we are free from having to prove ourselves through our work, prove who we are, to validate ourselves before God. I think our culture prizes busyness as a sign of worth. How are you doing? Busy. Good busy. I'm busy. It's just like this thing. I'm busy. Good. Busy's good. It kind of doesn't matter if you're productive. No one says, are you productive? Yeah, productive. It's busy. As long as you look busy in the workplace. I don't know if your workplace is like that, that has this atmosphere of, you know, you've done your work by 4.30. It kind of doesn't matter that you've done it. You've got to stay because everyone stays. We're going to be busy. It's what we do. But God liberates us from this keeping up pretenses of busyness to find value as busy people. Jesus says, come and find rest. Find rest for your souls. And then if we find rest for our souls, rest for our whole bodies, all of us. <coughs> Jesus says, are you burdened with the pressure to be busy, to prove to your boss, to your colleagues, to yourself that you're a good worker? Are you burdened to make God happy with you by your busy work? Look at me, God, I'm doing well. Jesus here is saying, stop. Come to me. I'll give you rest. I'm gentle. I'm not a hard boss. Find rest for your souls. Rest is for you. Back in Deuteronomy 5, Sabbath is rooted in creation, but also, you don't need to turn to it, I'll read it out to you again. God roots the Sabbath in their rescue, the Exodus rescue. This is what it says. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Link it to the Sabbath. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You were slaves, I've rescued you. Now you're not slaves. So, so God's saying, don't treat each other as slaves and not allow each other to rest. Do you see that's very generous? Don't slave drive each other. You used to be slaves. Don't live that way now, I've saved you. So same for us as Christians. Our rescue in Jesus is rescue from tireless slavery and fear of God's judgment and fear of death and fear of other people. Now we're saved into a place of freedom, forgiveness. Jesus just lifts that burden from us. He says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to save you. So don't go back to living the old slavery kind of way. Do you see now how the Sabbath is finding its fulfillment in Christ? This is part of what it means. 
We rest in him from our work. He saves us by his work in dying for us. He helps us when we're weak. So I want to say, if you find yourself struggling to stop work, could it be that actually this reveals something about your relationship with God and how much you've really grasped the rest your soul can find? If you struggle to rest from work, is it also that you struggle to rest from your works to impress God? You're not sure he really approves of you, so you've got to keep doing good to make make him love you. When you think of God, when you picture him, is he more of a boss figure who's clocking your hours, who wants to keep you busy at all times and tuts if you take your foot off the righteousness pedal, rather than a father who loves you as much when you're asleep as when you're really busy? The father says, come, rest from impressing me. Rest from impressing others. Jesus has done that for you. You can have an evening off. I don't require you to be at work all the time. Don't require it of yourselves. Oh, he wants us to obey him. Oh, he wants us to seek righteousness, but he will help us do it. So, I, I think this is the thing I really want you to take away from tonight. The thing we really need to pay attention to isn't first, oh, do I take time off? But rather, are we so secure in our relationship with God that we can take time off? That's what I want you to ask of yourself. Are you so secure in his love for you that you can take time off and stop working and know that he still loves you? Rest is a gift for you. Final thing. Rest is for others. And we seamlessly move into Matthew 12. Now, let me give you a little bit of context. Jesus keeps getting in trouble with the Pharisees for doing good things on the Sabbath. Okay, So they, they've made the Sabbath more restrictive than the law actually prescribed it to be. And Jesus has done what King David did. Um, he and his disciples, disciples went and picked corn on the Sabbath to eat. Naughty, naughty, say the Pharisees, you shouldn't be picking corn. But Jesus then reveals what God really values about rest and the Sabbath. Have a look at verse 7. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. 12 verse 7, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying that the aim of the Sabbath day of rest is showing mercy. That's what pleases God, not restrictions of needs and a kind of mere ritual, tick off the Sabbath day, but actually a heart that is generous and merciful. What God wants is not a selfish law of day off, but a generous, merciful heart that uses rest from work to do good to others. And so Jesus makes the point, and it's beautiful. Uh, Verse 9, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Think about that in a society where you really need to work with your hands to live. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They want to get him doing good on the Sabbath, naughty, naughty. He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. We rest from our work, but then we use that time, resting from our normal vocation, to be like Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, who healed a guy, did good. 
Our rest, like I said before, can become all about us. We do what we want, what we want to do. My evenings are about me. My day off is for me. But instead, Jesus has a vision of very 1 Corinthians. Turn the mirror out. Think about others. Now, this doesn't mean that we end up exhausting ourselves and not resting because we're doing so much for others. Okay, so don't go weird with that. It's still rest from regular work and it's still point two for us to rest. You need downtime. Some of us need alone time particularly. So don't mishear this as go now and exhaust yourself silly every weekend. But at the same time, rest can become quite self-centered and selfish. We could use our time better to be with others, to spend time with our church family, spend time with your focus group, to share our lives and to share Christ with people who don't know him. A culture, think about this, a culture that doesn't rest well is actually very unloving. A culture that doesn't rest well is unloving. It's, It's a kind of oppressive, soft slavery where we enslave people with the expectation that they too must overwork. We overwork, you join us, you overwork too. And though it's not in our contracts, we don't allow each other just to let up and rest. We should be different as Christians. The church is to create a culture that allows the freedom to rest. Think about it this way. If you're a student and you do go to the library uh, before church or whatever it is, that does put then the pressure on other students who watch you and go, oh, oh, okay, so they're they're working for us. Man, I know I've still got more essay to write. I'm going to go as well. Do you see? People will join you. If you're answering emails on your day off, that creates a culture where others have to answer their emails on the day off. It, It snowballs. Don't do it. It's not loving. You're taking away God's gift of rest to the other people who now have to answer their work emails because you're answering your work emails on your day off. Think about how your rest can be a blessing to others and allow them to rest. And again, overwork might not be your problem, but rather your rest days just could be better used. So I want to encourage you and use the study tonight to really consider, think, how to use your rest time to bless others. How you use your evenings, your Sundays. How, how do we do it practically? Well, the fact that you're here at Globe Focus, I think, is a way of doing this. You could have gone home tonight. You're not at work. This is rest time. You could have gone home. But instead, you chose to come here to eat with your small group, to learn together, and spend time praying for each other. That's good use of non-work time. So be encouraged. Keep going. Is there someone you could meet up with on a Saturday breakfast or lunch and do 121 with to go through uh, what you've been learning in the sermon, pray together? Is there someone in church, a neighbour or someone perhaps who's struggling, who's ill, who could you could give some practical help to? Jesus healed a man's disability on his day off. What could you do? <laughs> what could you do to follow his example? The composer Debussy said, music is the space between the notes. God has graciously given us space between the notes of work. We're rested to enjoy him, to enjoy our rest from works, our acceptance in Christ. And we're rested to enjoy doing good to others. Let's pray. Lord, we ask now that you would help us to really work out together what this looks like. Help us to think practically, to think wisely. Um, to use the gift of rest to glorify you, to bless others. And most of all, Lord, I pray that we would enjoy tonight our rest in you. Lord, for any here who feel that burden of trying to impress you, who 
think of you and think of you frowning on them. I pray that even now they would come to Jesus and know the complete forgiveness that is found in him. The rest from trying to impress you because Jesus has done it all perfectly. And so liberate us to live lives of doing good. Not to earn your favour, but because of your favour. In Jesus' name, amen.